Henry Lincoln program, Chronicle came out with the, which was the first sort of unveiling of yeah. the Renly Chateau mystery. Of course, my father took to the subject, you know, tape recorded the program because, yeah. you know, they weren't videos back in those days. So he, I remember he put a tape recorder with a microphone <laughs> next to the TV. So could, and then it became the hot topic of conversation in the house for really ever since 1972. Right. So I kind of grew up with hearing this story of this priest, the treasure, the, mm. you know, the coffin receipts found early, you know, mm. or, you know, the coffin being ordered before. Well, I mean, a lot of people and, that, and all of the cool stuff. A lot of people that are watching this won't have a clue what Renly Chateau is. I mean, so, you know, could you give us a bit of a background? Because you're one of the researchers that, you know, has done such a lot of work in this field. Can you give us a brief outline? Is there such a thing? Yeah, no, I'd be happy to. And I have to say, I first... Um, came across Rat, I think it was 78 or 79, Club COD, Chicago, Denver playing, uh, and um, uh, fantastic. But I I, um, I didn't really get to know Rat until after the book came out. I realized he lives about a mile from me. Oh, um, so uh, we, synchronicity. we get together and uh, have a beer and, and argue profusely over this whole this whole story. So, I know. <laughs> you had uh, witness to that there. last That's night. <laughs> That's the point, though. Well, the beauty of it is, it, it, it's, it's a story, and I'll, I'll give you a, a summary of it in a moment, that on any given day you can convince yourself is a complete farce. Yeah. Uh, the next day you can convince yourself it might be one of the greatest mysteries of our time. Mm -hmm. And you kind of alternate between the two. But the story is back in the 1880s and 1890s in the south of France, uh, go to Carcassonne and drive south about 45 minutes by car. You have uh, a village... Uh, and, and the footsteps, uh, really, the Pyrenees, and it's a really obscure place, uh, desolate place. And you have a priest who comes to the village um, and appears to have discovered something. Um, he writes in uh, his, his, his diary on September 21st, 1891, discovered a tomb at night it rained. And all of a sudden he appears to have a lot of money. Um, more money than a priest should reasonably have. And he begins to renovate the church and village in what is arguably a, a rather um, gaudy, bizarre, and um, yeah. potentially esoteric way. So what did he discover? Um, and and uh, what, if anything, um, did he bring to light that his that is still being um, yeah. pursued by a number of researchers. So, so in a nutshell, it's it's a priest who appears to have uncovered something in his church while renovating it. Mm -hmm. uh, it could be lineages of importance to various people. It could have been gold from the French Revolution, or the Visigoths, um, or any number of things. Yeah. Which you know, Rack can give you some more insight. Yeah, there's into. quite a lot. <laughs> yeah. Well, you've spent time there, haven't you? Yeah, as much as I can, yeah. really. It's, uh, I find it an absolutely beautiful place, just to be in anyway. It's, mm. it's the south of France, the weather's good, the mm. food is fine and the wine's even better, mm. you know, and it's, you know, to go and research and work in, down in, in such a magnificent setting, it's, yeah. it's a dream come true. But the real thing with the story is that, it, which, you know, it's, it's kind of some of the nitty-gritty details, the thing of um, when Saunier makes this discovery, it's everything that goes with it, the way he suddenly starts mysteriously digging up the cemetery, just changing things, moving stuff around, um, builds walls around the place. And, you know... Um, A lot of it seems to be Mary-linked as well, doesn't it? Marie Donano, yeah. You know, the, the reports of there was so much money that she was seeing it burning it by the wheelbarrow for yeah. when they changed the French currency at the end of the Second World War. Now, I know this is one of those areas of contention, uh, where this money come, come, came from. Yeah, 
Absolutely. But the thing is, is that he did have the money. Mm. He did buy a third of the village. He did build um, two independent structures. He did renovate the entire church and presbytery. He was extremely generous to the village. Mm. And that's an awful lot for a single priest of a small town. It's not a town. The village. I mean, the population there is not, you know, then was probably less than 200. Well, it explains why the streets weren't cleaned when I was there last time. Well, it's pretty grubby, yeah. Yeah. They don't need to. (laughs) So the majority of the researchers would say that he made his money from the sale of masses, mm. the sale of masses to other villages throughout France who, who didn't have a parish priest to perform a mass for whatever function. But this was, you know, this was common practice amongst priests of the day. They mm. all did that. Mm. And I, you know, if, some, he was, obviously well, if, he was, if he was a bent priest, why did he write it all down and leave the evidence behind for everyone to find and say, ah, that's where he got the money, he stole it.